This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. So the two new services that I'm introducing, it's the sales enablement podcast, like showrunner. So think of doing internal podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so well, just on all fronts there. And then the other is like, a, you ever do one of those murder mystery dinners? Oh, who murdered the deal? My God. Ooh, you know, I, I, I know that you're like setting me up for what we're going to talk about on this podcast, but I hate to break it to you. The show already started. Did it really? That's even better. That's even better. Yeah. I mean, like it just, it just makes sense. It just feels right that the women your mother warned you about (laughs) episode is on with (laughs) me, Gina Tremarco and uh, Amy. I I will butcher her last name every time her. No, I'm going to do it. No, you. Do it again. Check that is it's a silent it's the silent H it like throws you okay no H ignore the ignore the H ignore the H learn uh Warners we have brought back Amy Rahavchek yes there we go because we love her so much and she was so great on the last show uh this show by the way is sponsored by Sales Gravy in case you didn't catch that got to put that out there and. Susanna's not here. And the reason why she's not is she just got back to London and is sleeping. I mean, the nerve. I, it's, it's, oh, I, you the know, nerve. What? she needs sleep. Come on. I, I was about to say that it's overrated, but no, I'm not even putting it out there. Like, sleep is very important, as is rest and like down with the hustle culture. It is. It is. It is. I agree with you. I'm all about the sleep. Well, you're a little bit ahead of me. As we were just talking about, I don't even know where the episode started, but I am happy to report. If, Who murdered well, the deal? Well, that's the sales enablement stuff, but officially carrying a bag again. And I think on Friday, I opened up three opportunities. And Gina, I was, I forgot, I was on cloud fucking night. Like I forgot about the rush. I forgot what it felt like and the excitement and... I don't know. Like sometimes it's easier to remember the hard or or whatever. I don't know. Fill in the blanks. But anyway, um, I can't wait to report back to you. Like when the first one closes. But anyway, one step at a time. But who murdered the deal? What a fucking. Have you ever done one of these? One of the murder mystery dinners? Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I owned okay. a theater, we actually produced a couple murder mysteries okay. for clients. Like it was, you know, things that they asked us to do, which. Wasn't necessarily a Ballywick, but we we did it. And I've also performed in many murder mysteries throughout my lifetime. Okay. Um, which are super fun. 
Um, but I love this concept of who murdered the deal. Like, elaborate on this. Okay. So, like, I'm on, as you know, on a quest to make the experience of learning how to sell more fun, fun, right? More mm-hmm. joy, like, does not have to be drudgery. And so I think, like, this is generally where my head's at. And I, I'm, I like to keep it fresh. And so I just, I love going to these murder mystery dinners. It's been quite some time. I've only done a couple, but like parties, right? Where everybody gets your character ahead of time and you're, and so listeners for anybody that's never done one of these, the idea is it's like a real live game of clue. And at the end of the experience, right? Everybody comes up with their version of the answer, right? Who murdered the, whatever it was. And then why? And so for who murdered the deal, I'm like, think enterprise selling, think Mm -hmm. IT, think legal, think multiple departments and exec sponsors and champions and like whatever, all these characters and agendas, some spoken, some unspoken. So again, listeners, when you are um, given a character at one of these murder mystery dinners, let's say it's your sister's birthday party. And so she gives you one of the good characters. Um, they will tell you explicitly on your card, right? What, so you have your whole story and then it's what you're able to share. And then the things that you only share when asked this. And so now when we marry that with the, with the who murdered the deal, the idea is that people would uncover like some of the unspoken or harder to suss out elements. Mm hmm. And try to, so you have to go around and speak to everybody. Yeah. Right. And so it's a safe and easy way to learn. I don't know, maybe if somebody's just stepping into like liaising with legal for the first time, or the organization is transitioning from, you know, transactional sale to an enterprise sale. So this concept of multi-threading through an organization is new, but the idea is everybody kind of wanders around, has conversations with each other, tries to figure out where the I used to call it landmines, right? Well, selling and I would say I would I neutralized landmines so that nobody on the buying team like steps on anything and like loses a foot or something. But anyway, at the end of this two hour experience, then everybody comes together and does the write up of who they think murdered the deal and then why. So maybe just as one example, it's um, you know this is a person who purchased the the software that you're replacing. And they're emotionally invested in that original decision, but they're not going to tell anybody that because it's illogical and they know that it wasn't a good decision in the first place, but they have it enough, emotion because it was emotional. They, There's like an emotional motive. They have enough clout. And so, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Oh, I'm seeing like, I'm seeing like a game. Oh yeah. Like I'm seeing like a card game. I'm seeing it's raining. Like I, I was I originally thinking like ASM or like, hey, like sales kickoff. We've all been through these like yes. or even a conference, like the it's drudgery a, yeah. of yeah. the same old, same old. But this not only is it yes. fun, not only is it experiential, not only is no one doing it, but it's also a phenomenal way to teach people how to think about your buying motion. Yeah. Yeah. So think about this because you. I've been in these, I've done these shows, right? And and I've attended as a as a guest, right? I'm not necessarily as an actor. And you do, you have to, and it's interesting. Like I'm so fascinated by this. This is such a cool topic. You've got to go around the room and ask all these questions. Mm-hmm. So think about the discovery process, mm-hmm. right? I have to go and like dig deep for motive, right? What 
would motivate all of these people who could possibly be the guilty party. Mm -hmm. And I got to go and interview them. Right. So I can figure it out. Now, meanwhile, there are other people, other guests at the show who are like, leave me alone. I just want to eat my chicken. Well, but yeah. this is where the, like, I think you can, what's fun about doing this with sales teams is that you've got that. I don't want to, I don't believe in like aggressive use of dashboards. And I think you got to be careful with like the, how competition tips into like toxic. However, there is a competitive edge to our profession. And so I think that it, the gaming, the gamification aspect of this experience, right? Maybe it's a prize, right? Whoever gets the, yeah. figures out who it is. And, but also Gina, think about it from like the team building perspective. You're physically moving around, mm -hmm. interacting with people. And right. let's say 10% of them were given characters or whatever. And, you know, depending right. on, you know, how, how big we build it out or whatever, but you're also in this fun and different context, you know, meeting and interacting with your peers, um, in just a completely different way. I love it because of like, you have all your suspects, right? You've got your 10 suspects. And again, if you haven't done one of these shows, right, you're, you're given a character description, yeah, like ahead okay, of time, I'm, costume, I'm Right. I'm the CFO. Mm -hmm. And here are all the things about Susie CFO. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, because we do with, we deal with this every day. This this just came up in a group of um, clients that I was training this week on selling the price increase. And um, a deal got stalled because of a CFO. And that deal got stalled. It's not murdered yet. But the CF like so I was I was actually walking the client through. I'm like, walk me through what happened. Right. As an existing client. Um, they've been a client for a while. Um, it's a complex deal, a key account, and they had to present the price increase and the client's like, you know, they they did everything that the client asked for. And then all of a sudden came back and said, we've decided to go to the competitor because they're not going to give us the same kind of increase. And I'm like, all right, there's got to be more to this. Yeah, it's right? never the like, first we, thing. Listeners, right? it's never the first thing that right. they tell you. Never. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It, uh, Right. They're not they're not always telling you everything. Right. It's like, OK, well, tell me more about this. Like they've been a client for a long time. You have a relationship. You did all the things they asked for where who murdered the deal. Mm -hmm. Right. Like what happened? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, there's this new CFO. I'm like, it's oh, always a who, too. It's oh. always a who. It's always a who. And it's, it is yeah. a big mystery. And I think, like, I, I was like, let's talk. I'm like, there's a new CFO. I'm like, okay, let's dial through this. The CFO stopped it. Like, the CFO kiboshed it mm -hmm. and went with the competitor. Let's talk Over about. What? Yeah, like, what? Now, wanting a 3% increase. About, yeah. yeah, I said, let's talk about CFO persona. Mm hmm. Let's talk about the buyer persona of a CFO, mm -hmm. right? How they think. Now let's layer that. Right? This could be part of the game, right? Mm -hmm. This all these layers. I'm like, mm -hmm. let's layer that. It's a new CFO, right? So already you got this black and white person who wants, who cares about numbers, but you've got the new person. And I see this all the time when there's multiple stakeholders involved in a large deal. When I have a lot of new stakeholders, especially if I'm dealing with anything tech or SaaS, like I see this repetition, right? All these new people, well, I've been here for three months and I've got a new team and I've been here for eight months and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing here. And they're all part of the process. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to figure out where the coffee is and they're not even clear mm -hmm. on what the 
they don't even know their own stated objectives. Yeah. I said yeah. this to a prospect the other day. I'm like, all right, you guys have to actually all get on the same. I got them all in the room together, which I was excited about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. I got you all in the room together and you're all on different pages mm-hmm. until you guys collectively get on the same page, right? Like I can't give you solutions until I understand what the real problems here are and what the priorities are, mm-hmm. right? Like you have all those layers. So in this particular situation with the CFO, the CFO is new. He's trying to prove himself. He can get a win. All he cares about is winning right now. How are we going to help him win? Mm-hmm. Let's get him involved in the pro- I'm like, have you actually met with him? He's like, no. I'm like, all right, step one. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get the CFO on the call? Okay, well, they're like, well, what if we can't get, get Gina? What if we can't get the CFO on the call? I'm like, okay, well, then let's arm your advocate, your coach, your influence, whoever you're working with. Let's arm them with the ammunition they need mm-hmm. to at least try to get that to the CFO. Like, it's, you know what? I, I'm so glad that we're speaking about this because it's one of the things that I attributed to my like really strong win rate. I like most of us was never able to get over, you know, what is it? 75%? Like it's, but it was that I, I was the most important thing about the opportunity, about the deal. When we're talking deal strategy, it was team selection. It was buying team selection. And I was meticulous with, you know, meeting everybody. Like when I was doing discovery, it's like, well, who else do you know in the org that's having this problem? And how about over there from that department? And in the same way that we would prompt people for referrals in a, in a way. Um, and so I, I think that that was a big part of what made how I sold a little bit different, right? Just the level of thinking and intention that went into team selection. And so now when I look at some of the buying trends right now about larger buying teams and representation from different departments like finance and like IT, right? And I I sold into legal. So I've always loved that that part of it. But then there's a scariness aspect to being on the buying team and like exactly what you just shared, like reaching out to the CFO, like still though, we got to do it or else we're at risk of having the deal be murdered and not knowing who murdered it. Yeah, it, it was interesting to me to like probe through that conversation with them, right? It was a real case situation of um, trying to sell a price increase, right? Which mm-hmm. is what we were teaching. Mm-hmm. And then the deal stalling. And he's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I need more information, right? Like, and then w- once we walked through the process, it was like, oh, right? You, you, you got to figure out who the potential murderers are, right? Mm-hmm. It's like anticipating crime, I guess. And go back, like for anybody that's listening to this, like listeners, the, like I'm thinking about um, validation rules in a CRM when the deal is closed, lost, and you got to close it off, get it off the pipeline, right? Sometimes I've, I see this done poorly where we don't have any validation rules to move from stage to stage, but at the end, you've got to pick a reason. And it's almost like this, un- and then we don't teach or empower people how to have these conversations, right? With the knowledge even, right? The first thing that that person tells you, it's it's never the reason. But then you got all this like crappy data in the CRM, which is of all of our win-loss yeah. reasons, it's just a big shit show comment. Um, for me, what I love about this concept and facilitating these murder mystery events, aside from being able to, you know, play around at like all these ASMs with this, like, just ridiculousness, <laughs> that just seems like way more fun to me than trading somebody on like whatever contracting. I love the, the teaching people how to think. 
And I love the fun aspect of it too. Again, it just, it doesn't have to be drudgery. And this is, this is the best that I come like that I got or was able to come up with. So I'm I'm, glad that you're digging it. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And you and I are definitely on the same page of, you know, humanizing things and making things fun. And obviously with an improv background, that's a big part of who I am. I am launching a new class in June called Ooh. Selling with Humor. <gasps> so um, it, that just finally, that just um, went public today. Uh, and I'm super excited about that because it's been something I've been wanting to do for a couple of years. Can you, yeah. So can you, I remember, recall my sister's a comedian. I've been trying to convince her to come on the show, right. To talk about humor. And like I, when I would do field training, right. One of the first things that people would notice is that from meeting to meeting, I have the same damn jokes and I use them all the time. Um, It's not even, you don't even have to get crazy with it. But like when you make people laugh, they want to spend time with you. And so I, but you are the teacher on this front. Like what are, what's the curriculum about? Like, what are the learning objectives? Like what, I mean, I almost want to like leave this this podcast and go like hop in this training because I got to see what you came up with. Well, there's, you know, I'll, I'll give a couple tips. Mm-hmm. I'll give a couple tips that we'll explore. And, you know, I hesitated for a couple of years in launching this because I couldn't wrap my head around how to make it, how to make it happen. And since I've been at Sales Gravy now for almost two years, um, I've kind of figured out how to make these things happen from a virtual perspective. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of really simple rules of thumb in comedy. Two key rules of thumb that we talk about are repetition and contrast, right? So funny comes from relatability, right? So one thing I would say, you know, when I owned a theater for 12 years and we would have these classes and people would show up and say, you know, like, I'm so funny. I can't wait to sign up for class. And I'm like, please don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want you actually showing up thinking you're funny um, because you need to be a little more of a of a vulnerable canvas with it mm-hmm. because the funny funny comes from relatability, right? And so you can be intentional with it, but first you have to like put training wheels on and be able to relate because people will laugh at things that they relate to, that they connect with. So let's think about stand-up comedians, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are stand-up comedians out there that um, you like more than others, right? That you connect with, that you think are funny. And there's stand-up comedians out there that you think are are funny. And there's a huge difference between improv and stand-up, right? In an improv world, we are working in an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about making the other person look good. Um, this is, in, that's what I was thinking when you said about yeah. the, the I'm funny. I heard ego and yeah. doesn't play nicely yeah. and it's in the sandbox. Yeah. So the I'm funny person is a stand up comedian and there's and I'm not trying to shoot down stand up and I've and I've done stand up just to say I've done it. And I hated it because I don't like being alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned this a lot through COVID, too. I like being part of a group. I like being part of an ensemble. I like being part of a team to win. And when you're in an improv ensemble, you are part of a team and your number one job is to make everybody else around you look good, right? The people that you're performing with and the people you're performing for, right? The 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 emphasis has to be on everybody but you. When you're a stand-up comedian, you're like, "Look at me, I'm funny," right? And you and you and you script it out and you script out funny beats that are relatable, but let me tell you, if you get in front of an audience that doesn't connect with the stories that you're telling in your in your scripted set, 
they're not going to laugh. And so you have to be able to pivot. Now, the best stand-up comedians are the ones who are improv trained because they can improvise in the moment of a scripted set, mm-hmm. right? I've seen some comedians, and you may have seen comedians where they're they're delivering their stand-up. The audience is like, you can hear a pin drop, and the comedian goes, hey, that was funny, right? That's the insecure salesperson. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at me over here. Why don't you, this is a good deal, mm-hmm. right? It's It's so me focused mm-hmm. right that they're they're they don't know how to pivot and realize the audience is not connected mm-hmm. so funny comes from relatability what does this have to do with repeat right because we talk about two things repeat and contrast repeat is when you can repeat back things that people have experienced right relatability mm-hmm. one of my favorite stand-up comedians um Sebastian Maniscalco, Italian from Jersey ish, I think. I don't know. So, by people. Well, even though you're not from Jersey, we're from Chicago, but. Right, right. But but the Italian people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm half Italian. The Slovak name is the. the, Okay, well, I'm half Italian, half German. Okay, okay, so. But I resonate with the Italian, right? Yeah. So, every story he tells, Mm -hmm. like, I pee my pants because I relate to his stories about growing up Italian. Every single story, right? That's why I laugh so much at him. Now, I'm sure that some people don't laugh at him because they're like, what is he talking about? You know, things falling off the back of a truck, mm-hmm. right? Like I can, I relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you can repeat a story or you repeat something, people laugh at repetition, right? Think about um, Saturday Night Live. I'm not, I'm dating myself. Like uh, Night at the Roxbury. Those guys who are like shaking. They're like everything they do. Right, right. We're doing the physical. Like they're moving their head together. Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Right. They behave the same. That's a repetition. Those repetitions. Right. That people will pe- people will laugh at. Not to the opposite of that. Contrast. Contrast is a disrupt. Contrast is the unexpected. When you do something that they didn't expect to happen, that they didn't see coming, right? right? Like you think about something that just the two things don't make sense together. Yeah. That unexpected. Okay. Creates comedy that people will laugh at because they're like, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't believe that happened. Like, is that for real? Put it together. Okay. So those are two keys to it. So lightening up, a sales conversation, right? There's a couple things like a callback. Like I refer to this as a callback of, I call back things in in a conversation, in a discovery conversation that I might've heard 30 minutes ago in our conversation. Mm -hmm. And somehow I will loop it back in. Okay. Um, Or I will take that scenario that's relatable that I heard you talk about and find the funny in it. Right. Because sometimes the things that we struggle with. Right. Like we laughed about. Yes, it's always someone who kills the deal. Right. It's like that new CFO. Like we can laugh at that because you and I have both have experienced it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be funny, you have to really pay attention to what people are saying so that you can connect with it and then heighten it. And this is where, heighten and exaggerate a little bit. This is where the yes and that I teach comes into place because the yes and 
requires you to really hear what people are saying, repeat it back, and then add onto it and make it bigger, right? And so that's just kind of an overview. I don't want to give it all away. No, I you- don't want you to give it all away either. It's it's just interesting. I was listening to that. And I'm glad that you described both of those words because my brain was going in a different direction on what what you meant. And for example, like contrast is one of those things that comes up when we teach about how to tell stories, right? Or the like yeah. a story arc, which is right. one of the things that creates a deeper, richer emotional experience, right? To have it be high tension and then release, tension, release, yeah. tension, release. And so those cycles also bring you closer to the person that you're you're interacting with. And then- um, repetition is, I don't know. I heard that. And I heard like, um, you know, mass communications, propaganda, mind control, say the same things over and over again. And <laughs> yeah. you know, from different places, from different people is literally one-on-one propaganda, but those yeah. are different. That was, I'm glad that I shut the hell up and was listening to what you were saying, but like, okay, so I'm still not understanding the, the connection between those things and the joke and I guess it's it's not so much about a joke. Okay. Right. So let's 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 differentiate that. Okay. Right. Like because some people can when you say, oh, tell like this this makes me crazy when like, you know, I would t- people would hear I own an improv comedy theater, right? And they'd be like, like strangers would do this and make me nuts. Oh, tell me a joke. It doesn't work that way. It's not a joke, right? Like yeah. go back to stand-up comedians. They're telling, you know, they have a punchline. They have a setup and a punchline, right? That's a joke. Mm-hmm. Improv comedy, right? When we're finding that humor, it's actually something we call, okay, this is in the class, game of the scene. Okay. What is the game in the conversation? Meaning, what is the first thing? Now, let's think about buying behavior. Mm-hmm. What is the first, like, or buyer cues, right? When they react in a conversation, mm-hmm. If you pay enough attention, you can see what they're reacting to, right? Mm-hmm. You can figure out the buying cue, mm-hmm. right? When they also known as situational awareness, friends. Yes, one exactly, mm-hmm. right? So, so your EQ, you got to have some good EQ because you have to be self-aware, socially aware. You have to pay attention to what's going on mm-hmm. and watch for reaction. Now, who's this looking was at one who? Of, whose eyebrows uh, like raised like? All, yeah. all of it, yeah. All, all of those things. Like this is probably, it's interesting. This is probably one of the hardest classes that we would teach at our theater, Carolina Improv. Mm-hmm. And it was a level four class. It was like a master class. It was called it was called Game of the Scene. And it was taking their comedy to the next level, right? Because we're taking suggestions from the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Think about a sales scenario. Mm-hmm. Your prospect, your customer is giving you things to work with, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're getting that from them and then you have to do something with it. I got the idea from the audience. Now I have to perform to get a response. Right? I have to perform to get an action out of them, which is laughter. Wow. Okay. Right? I'm trying to compel them to laugh. So let's think about compelling people to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I put it out there and I'm watching for their buying behavior. I'm watching to see if I've engaged them. Yeah, if they chuckled a little. Right. And so that's that was step one. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the hardest class to teach. Um, people would repeat it over and over again because this requires so much cerebral intention mm-hmm. to paying attention to the detail 
and thinking quickly all at the same time. And it's like, it's, it's, there's a contrast to that, right? You're asking me to slow down and speed up at the same time. And that's what I would tell them. So this is what I would say. Mm -hmm. I want you to pay attention to the first thing that they laugh at. The first time that they laugh or groan or have a negative response to. The second you hear that, especially if they've laughed. So if you have a positive reaction. Go in that direction. Right. So you have a positive reaction, game on. That's the game of the scene. Now you got to ask yourself, this has to happen super fast. Yeah. And with the improv, it's with, with all your, your, it's like the strength of the team too. So hopefully everybody's picking up on it as well. Correct. So your ensemble has to be really strong. Everybody mm-hmm. on the team has got to be really strong at this, right? So they, because we can't talk to each other. I have to look at you and literally our guys have to speak to each other. Like got the game. I got the game. Do you think we got the game? But we can never let the audience know that we're talking to each other with each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you go into a different direction than I thought we were going to go into, mm-hmm. I have to follow you Mm -hmm. because if I don't follow you, if I negate you, I look like an asshole. Mm -hmm. So I have to like, all right, she ran with it. I didn't. I didn't have enough initiative fast enough. I'm going to run with her, follow her, support her. That's my job right now. Mm -hmm. When all this is going on in your head. All right. They just laughed. This is the internal conversation of an improviser. Okay. She just, they just laughed. What did they just laugh at? They laughed when I did an accent. What was the accent I just did? Oh, that was a French accent. Why was that so funny? These are like, this is internally going on in your head the entire time in like 10 seconds. All right. They just laughed at that. I'm going to give, I don't, I'm not really sure. We call it the universal truth. What was the universal truth behind that laughter? Because you can drill it down. Did they laugh at the accent? This is where contrast kicks in. Mm -hmm. Did they laugh at the accent? Because it was unexpected. Right. Is that why they laughed? Mm -hmm. Did they laugh at a physical movement? Right. That was another way to like figure out the audience. Was the audience a cerebral audience or physical audience? Two different audiences. There are audiences that love slapstick and physicality. They love seeing you do things that require you to move around. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's an audience that loves the wit of the unexpected. So you got to figure out your audience really fast. Mm -hmm. And then move from there, right? So if they're laughing at me doing an accent, then I'm going to heighten it and do it some more. And then I'm going to heighten it and do it some more until the laughter stops. And there's a rule of three. So you take it to a height and then you move on to something new, find a new game. But this requires you to really pay attention to the audience. Now, this would happen a lot. We we would have like certain phrases for audiences. Um, there is the travel park audience. Okay. Okay, so the travel park audience is an audience where we would perform outside at a travel park and every possible extreme that could happen would happen. And we hated it. Mm-hmm. We loved it and hated it at the same time because it's a travel park. We're outside. We don't have microphones. We're on the ocean in Myrtle Beach. Um, you have the sound of the ocean coming in. You got to talk really loud. We're up against a basketball court, seriously. They're playing basketball while we're doing show. On the other side of the pavilion, they have like these, you mine for gems. I don't know how else to explain it. And then there's a tie-dye station for tie-dyeing t-shirts, right? This is all happening at the same time while you're trying to perform. And many of them had a limited education. Let me just leave it like that. And, And you're trying to entertain them and you're quickly figuring out, okay, 
their slapstick. At the travel park, we only do slapstick because mm-hmm. that audience only likes slapstick. Anything else that's a deeper, like guessing game or you know, something that's more cerebral, that audience doesn't like that. So we figured that out over time, or we would have the Friday night audience. The Friday night audience in a tourism town is the audience that they're leaving on Saturday because it's a Saturday to Saturday stay. Mm -hmm. They're out of money on Friday and they're stressed out that they have to leave vacation tomorrow and they have to pack. And all they're thinking about is packing. I swear to God, they would tell me this Mm -hmm. because I'm like, hey, come back tomorrow. Here's a buy one, get one. Come back. We have to pack tonight. It was like a thing. So they were completely distracted by that. But once we understood those different personas, we could play the shows differently. Saturday night audience, they just arrived in town. They're tired. They drove 14 hours from PA. Mm -hmm. The kids have been screaming and they just want you to entertain them. Mm -hmm. They want slapstick, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's understanding all the the different context and, and how it mixes and matches. So there are a couple of things that, that just came to me and I want to, I want to call them out. The first is the amount of science here that you've absolutely mastered. Mm-hmm. And I know this is true as someone, because you had your, your uh, club as well as now teaching the course. But like, I think a lot of people, what they get wrong about the concept of art versus science or the right brain versus the left brain is that it's, it's either, it's a zero sum. It's either or, right. And yeah. that is, it's not accurate. What, when I think of art versus science, when I, I think of a person having to learn the science of something first, the fundamentals, the building blocks, the mm-hmm. principles, the framework, whatever, pick your yeah, yeah, picture yeah. of language. And then once you have a, a basic under, not a basic understanding, but once you've got your foundation, once you have the science, then you can start to create the art. And what, what, almost like broke my heart a little bit while you were sharing that as it relates to sales and tech sales in particular is how, (laughs) how little room we leave for the fact that everyone is a special snowflake and that there are no two different buying teams or buying motions. Right. And the context of how long have they been in the job? You know, when is the next shareholder report, whose boss just got fired, like all of these different factors impact the way that someone is thinking and someone is feeling. I mean, I could take this a step further and like people change, right? People have different, Mm -hmm. they could show up differently at different times in the same damn day based on something that happened. And so having the strategy or at least the, the framework to think about these intangible aspects. You know, it's just you're you're one step closer to not having the deal be murdered. (laughs) But anyway, like all of those things, I just I heard I heard mastery and I heard intention. And I'm I don't know, like I, I I'm I don't know if I would be a little bit intimidated by all of that. Right. I think of humor and I think of a way to release tension in like hard moments. Well, yeah. So so, yeah, let's get back to relatability. Okay. Right. Yeah. Relatability equals repetition. Right. So if we take it from that stance and and it, it took me a while to wrap my head around this so that I could frame the course. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I take what I've been teaching about repetition and contrast, how does that work in sales and in life? Right. Go back to relatability. Because right? if, if you understand where people come from, you can 
you can inject humor and be more engaging and get them to buy in when you can say, hey, I totally relate. I relate to that kind of complex deal, right? Like you can find ways to relate. Like, oh, I remember when I was new on the job. My dad, I used to, I, my, bad, my dad used to say, find common ground and go in that direction. Yeah, find common ground. People laugh at common ground, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of like misery loves company mm-hmm. or winning loves company, mm-hmm. right? So uh, there's a couple of, I, I remember when, um, when I was going through my divorce a, a few years ago, everybody had an opinion about how to divorce. And so there's some level of like trying to have like that misery and relatability of like trying to find they're, they're, what they're trying to do is like help you lighten up about your tragedy of your divorce. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you find the perfect partner, which I have. Right. And then all of a sudden I start noticing all these other perfect partnerships, right. That I relate to and we can have these funny stories together. So it, it goes back to, can you find those things that you have the common ground, you can relate to that, and then you can heighten it and create the laughter with it. Um, as long as you're paying attention to them and then putting the focus on them and saying something that's going to make them laugh because you know that they totally get it and they relate it. And so you're kind of exaggerating a little bit of a scenario. I wish I had an exact example in this moment. I'm going to have to pay attention to when I make people laugh. Um, no, I'm following you. And I think like, I'm uh, let's relate it back to like personality tests. Like when I, there was one system, it was called the star system. And I like, I'm not here to debate the pros and the cons. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll get down with crystal nose or formerly crystal nose all day long. And, but again, with that knowledge that people change as somebody, as a person that, you know, tips over between introvert and extrovert, truly. Um, but that said, I, there was this, it was called the star system and it, part of the way that I was taught to use this application was to look for context clues, listen to, here are the words, right? So it was houses, right? At this point it was financial services. And, and so it was based on the the layout of the house, right? If I could see the kitchen, right? It's what's on the walls. Is there dust? Like whatever. There's all these different things, but I was taught to put them in a box. And then um, I had memorized the, the words that that personality type was most likely to respond to. And then I would use them. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that the correlation between caring enough about the other person understanding that they're a special snowflake, wanting to understand their experience and to, you know, create sentences, create experiences that resonate for them. Like all of that is an important precursor to actually having a strong connection with them. And, 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 and mm -hmm. I think that, um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And I'm like, I, I love pulling in best practices from other professions and oh, yeah. Yeah. like mixing it in and like seeing how this, this plays out. And I don't even remember what I was saying about the personality stuff, but yeah, it's just a matter of being intentional. Oh, I remember that. I think as sellers, this is our job. This is our job. And regardless of where, which kind of sales floor you were, uh, you started in or where you're at now, like part of the job is to 
care like this and to put in this effort and to, you know, work a little bit harder to understand. And of course, you know, think on your feet and create word sentences, questions that resonate. And it's hard to do. Let's let's circle it back to, you know, who murdered the deal, right? Mm -hmm. Let's circle it back to uh, murder mysteries, right? So I'm cautious on saying this because I don't want to trigger anybody these days. I don't know who's going to get offended by what, but let's just go back to like a detective, Mm -hmm. like a police officer, Mm -hmm. right? In a murder mystery, their job is to investigate, to unturn, overturn. What's the phrase? Unturn every stone, overturn, turn over every stone. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? Turn over every stone, look for every detail, interview everybody, interrogate, be a little suspect. And ultimately kind of profile, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're creating profiles. This is what we're doing in sales. Mm-hmm. And not every, like you said, it's like every unique snowflake. Hope that that's not offensive, but every snowflake is different. And you have to start thinking about approaching people in that way, right? There, there, there's the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule. Golden rule, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Platinum rule, treat everybody the way they want to be treated. We don't all want to be treated the same. Mm -mm. So I'm not going to treat you the way I want to be treated because you might not want that. Mm -hmm. Right. And people don't think about that because they they've been pounded in the head with the golden rule. And if you could step back and think about how does that person want to be treated? I don't know. You want me to figure that out? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. That's work. You're right. It is work. Mm -hmm. This is where the intentionality comes in to understanding your audience and then creating, right, the profiles, but not being locked into the profiles. Because this is the other thing I learned in running an improv theater. Mm -hmm. Just when I thought I knew it all, right, I'd have that guy in the audience, arms folded, never cracked a smile Mm -hmm. at intermission. We're like, oh, my God, the guy in the third row on the right, he hates us. Right. And we're doing everything we can to play to him. Mm-hmm. Think about that stakeholder. Yeah, you're, you're trying to shoot that all, gate or the goat in the crowd and you're going to miss and hit the sheep. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're spending all your time on that one person that doesn't seem engaged because you want their love and attention. Right. And and then we get out at the end of the show and that guy. Right. We would have a receiving line. Mm-hmm. That guy would come up to us with a huge smile and an extended hand and say, that was amazing. And you're like, what? Like your inside voice was, could you have told your face that? Like (laughs) the resting bitch face. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm speaking on both sides of my mouth with this. You have to be able to create these personas and profiles. Right. And then also stay open minded that until you have a deeper conversation and connection, you don't absolutely know what's going you make on. No assumptions. You make no assumptions. Getting allergic yeah. to assumptions, I think, is a yeah. is a great place. But I, like, but then I'm I'm sad a little bit again, Gina, because every <laughs> most sellers, at least in my experience, are not given the freedom to take that time to think. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. What do you What do you they're mean not, they're not given the freedom? It's a big rush to think when it, we got to move the deal along. We're going to rush through discovery so we can get to demo. And on my, it's the pipeline. It's the, okay. in a big race, right. To close the deal. Anyway, I, I, it's just something that I, I see is that we don't like, even in, in learning how to sell, I don't know if it's changed now, but like 
what it's you're up against having to when you even when you're, you're pitching a new training idea or new uh experience a concept it's you're up against that you can't take the sellers out of the field it's their precious selling time and so anything that is not customer facing often can be pushed back on as being less relevant especially just the deep thinking mm-hmm. required to suss out what the hell is going on well i'm i'm going to i'm going to put a challenge out there that might not be so popular right i i hear you Um, And I've been in organizations where I wasn't um, the sales director or person, but I was in charge of the entire unit, let's say, right? Like, so let's just call me the COO Mm -hmm. in those scenarios. So at the end of the day, um, I still had responsibility for revenue happening um, and I had people to answer to. Mm -hmm. But I also understood what went into it that sometimes we couldn't rush it. And I know you want revenue tomorrow, but sometimes the revenue you want tomorrow is based on you guys sucked at planning Mm -hmm. as an organization or as leadership, let's just say. And now you're sweating and you're freaked out and you're reacting. And this is the pressure you're putting on the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. As salespeople, we're also, I mean, at least the good ones, we're renegades, we're rebels. We kind of do things on our own. I would challenge, I'm like, I would put it out there like A-B test it. A-B test it of take, you know, take one of those prospects and don't rush it and spend time digging a little bit deeper and building a relationship. I'd also be curious. Let's talk about the metrics that matter. Mm How are you doing on closing those deals that you're rushing? There it is, the win rate right there. But that's, but they're, it's like we haven't stopped to ask ourselves, could it be better, right? Like I, there was a place that I was at and it was like a massive head scratcher because I think the inbound, the win rate for qualified inbound opportunities, qualified inbound opportunities mm-hmm. was 9%. <gasps> and I, it, it, I think, I don't even remember if I talked about this on the show, but I had storyboarded like, okay, if we just pivot a little bit of our attention to plug the gaps, right? Look at mm-hmm. the improvement that we would have collectively if we improve win rate as a team by like 5%. Yeah. But it's like, we're so, we're in this shit against the wall and all the activity and going through the numbers that it's, I don't know, it requires a different way of thinking and operating. But often, especially when somebody's coming up through tech sales where they've gone through the SDR channel, like those experiences that they have had, throwing shit against the wall, you know, winning with that, you know, 10% under like under 15% win rate that worked for them. And so I think that that's also a a piece of it that like, you got to like kind of just think about, but I I love the question. I think Jeff Bajork is the one that posed this on my show because we did an episode on discovery. Um, Jeff Bajork does discovery and it, and it is like, why, why, why can't it be better? Right. Who says that it can't be better? But yeah, no, it's very common to have pretty piss poor win rates. Very common. 20 under 20 percent, under 15 percent. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just a little speechless. It's it's shocking. It is shocking. This is how this is what attracted me to Andy Paul initially, because he was the only fucking one talking about it. he was the only one talking about it. I thought I was going insane. I'm like, I don't. What, like, like, are we, we're okay as a team. Our team is uh, collectively hitting 15% of the opportunities that they start. And, and what but is, we're what setting is, them up to lose 85% of the time. Like who says that that is like a good way to operate? I just, I don't and, get and it. It's because, because, because they're rushing because like, what is your opinion on that? 
I mean, I think that there's a million reasons why it could go sideways. Anyone will do. I think it's just to take it even broader society. We tend to see the relationships around us and treat them as transactions. Look, take Tinder as one example. And so there, there's that piece of it. I think for the field, right? Yeah, if- Tinder, ha- Tinder has done very well for me. I'm just saying. That's good. Okay, good. I'm welcome. I, I'm glad to know that. But it's like, but still, it's that it's that transactional. And the same thing with selling too. Like if you've got to, if you've got these like insane activity metrics, right? And the organization hasn't connected your activity back to like the results, right? You're focusing on, on that activity. It's the number of messages sent, the number of emails sent. And yeah. And it does take time and space to think deeply about an organization and about your deal and about the different contexts and to do that research. I mean, I saw a great post yesterday. I had to, somebody was like, just kind of making fun of the bad advice or bad post, but it was like, oh, you don't have to think too hard about it. It's just a sales call. And I think that that's the a predominant, I don't know, Gina, look at the way we manage our SDR floors. We're down to the day and task, right? It's like, I, I've walked away from to, from jobs and like during interview motions where I've gotten pretty deep into it and it's like listening to people that I'd be working about, like talking about the sellers, like how they're not problem solvers. We have to fix them. They're cogs. They're just going into sale. Like it's just, it's nonsense. And so I don't know. It's across the board. Well, I wish we could solve all these problems today. Let's just do a murder mystery. Let's just put together a murder mystery <laughs> dinner. And I like think we go, should do a murder mystery. And- yeah, a murder mystery, murder mystery SKO. Um, I think we should we should create it. Maybe we should do it at, maybe I should sell this concept to Jeb and do it at Outbound. Dude, I'll uh, have it ready by Outbound if you want to do that. We could just know. <laughs> No, I'm maybe serious. he'll listen, maybe he'll listen to this episode and and get inspired. But I love I love the concept of it because it would actually um it would reinforce discovery and how to ask the right questions, um how to pay attention because also murder mystery you got to pay attention to the details yeah, of the behavior. Mm-hmm. What are those those ten people that have been assigned? the role of suspect, mm-hmm. right? They're doing some very specific behavioral things that you need to watch and that's going to clue you in. So, I mean, all right, let's keep talking about this. Um, we just have to have you back. Um, actually, our next guest is Jeff. We're bringing Jeff back because we love, we love oh, us. Some Jeff. Are you coming to Outbound? I, you know, I was just looking at it. I'm, I, uh, let's say I'm 75% now. But like, I what, was, what do you have to do to improve that probability rate? What's going on? I, I got to look at the dates and I got to look at there. I'm moving back into, so my grandfather's down in South Carolina. So I'm going to be moving back. I'm going to spend, I think the month of August, maybe okay. a little bit of September with him just because they took his license, getting older or whatever. Okay. So that would be the, that would be the only thing, but this okay. doesn't sound like a good reason or a good excuse as it's coming mm-hmm. out of my mouth now that I'm saying it out loud. So <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know, I was surprised, you know, like, you know I, when I was, I was looking, ready to turn around the objection, but you, uh, yeah, you yeah, did it for yourself. Yeah, okay. no. All right. Well, this and also, you know what else I want to talk about? Using more podcasts for internal sales enablement purposes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll bring it back again. Yeah. Because I got to go, yeah, go check my it. eye. Yeah, go I got to go to the eye doctor. You um, lose your sight. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's. It's definitely better, but okay. Remember that, and we'll we'll bring that one back. But you should definitely be at Outbound. I think and everybody right. listening to this should be coming to Outbound, and Jeff Bajoric will be at Outbound. Mm-hmm. I'll be at Outbound. Don't you want to come hang out with me I and do. Susanna I at do. Outbound? Yeah, I do. Come on, it'll be. Who knows? Maybe we could get the murder mystery, 
thing going. Where's your grandfather in South Carolina? Greenville. Okay, that's four hours away from me. Okay. I'm going so I'm going down um for four days this this week and so maybe that. But also you have a don't you have a wedding coming up? I feel like you're busy. <laughs> don't you <laughs> I'm a little busy this, in the month of May. Oh just a little. God. Someone said to me, they're like, you only know one speed. It's like 100 miles an hour. What? You're getting married. You're buying a house. You're like, I'm like, what is the big deal? What? It, what? This is, this is just how we roll. What is? What's the big deal? It's like no big. It's no big. Because we're keeping everything simple. Let's just be That's nice. clear. Everything is super simple. That's right. Nice. Like we're uh, our house is being built. We can move out of the house. We're currently temporarily renting we can the landlord's cool we can move out whenever like there's just no stress to the simple ceremony in a little church that only seats 12 people so limited seating of who can come and then a party in a bar i mean come on this is everything's already planned it's well good it's i mean good. This, you I, you must be the most common centered bride i've ever spoken to in my entire <laughs> life this is awesome you sound great that's great been there been there done that and um, it could have gotten heightened. And my fiance and I were like, mm, we're not we're not letting other people hide. Like we were ready to just go to the courthouse and sign the paper. Um, we're just like doing one step above that. So mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have Amy Ravchek back. And this time, what are we going to talk about next time? What I'm following your lead. I'm an equal no, no, opportunity. No. What was, no, what was on the list that we missed today? Oh, just using uh, podcasting for internal sales enablement purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People okay. from the tyranny of learning exclusively at their computer. Okay, so um, so stay tuned for that episode. And um, our producer, as he hears this, um, this is this is a note to him to then um, send you the schedule for recordings so that we get that scheduled. Uh, it was great having you on the show as always. We can talk forever. Susanna missed out. So sorry, Susanna. Hope you're sleeping well. And thank you to our listeners um, of the Women Your Mother Warned You About. For more information on this show, go check us out at womenyourmotherwarnedyouabout.com. You can also go to salesgravy.com to see more about Susanna and I. And salesgravy.university is the place to go if you want to up-level your game. And if you want to learn how to sell with humor coming to you June 22nd. Um, I'll be in touch with you soon. Bye, Gina. All right. Bye, Amy. Bye, Warners. Bye.